You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, may the peace and blessings of Allah be with you. My name is Shahmi Ahmed, and you are listening to another sh- episode of Breakfast Show. You are listening to Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting the true teachings of Islam here in the West. Dear listeners, um, today we will discuss two topics as usual. We will discuss, I know it's a bit late for most of our listeners, but we will discuss about Christmas and why Christmas is also celebrated in the month of January. We will have therefore Professor David Wilkinson who will discuss with us this topic and then carry on. We will have um, another topic which is also very interesting, dear listeners. It is going to be ambulance strikes handling an emergency when services are unavailable. So, dear listeners, um, do me a favor. I know it's uh, morning time, it's breakfast time. Make yourself a warm, good coffee. Or if you are already making some breakfast, do enjoy your breakfast. Do enjoy the breakfast with the show. Before we go to our f- uh, first segment, dear listeners, let's see what the headlines uh, are saying today. It is merely, mostly uh, about our Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and uh, of course the strikes which we are seeing throughout the country. So Rishi Sunak um, has basically pledged, uh, has made five pledges and um, tried to straw, tried to make sure that everyone is safe. Um, so he, of course, it's not an easy job to be the Prime Minister, that's what I've seen. His aim is basically to fix Great Britain. So Rishi Sunak's uh, the speech uh, which he gave, that basically where he basically promised five things, uh, where he basically pledged to fix Britain. So um, we will focus, and of course the nation will focus on that as well, that how he and what he will try to fix this nation. Um, he also said to judge him on his five points plan to fix Britain. Um, the Prime Minister voted, urged voters to judge him at the ballot box. Um, the Prime Minister said we will either have achieved them or the pledges or not. So we will see that. Um, of course, the uh, if this there's the Prime Minister, um, Keir Summers is not far away from that. Um, the Labour leader will vow that his party will not get the big government check poked out again. And Mr. Summers will promise a plan for a decade of national renewal. Uh, and as, uh, uh, um, during, uh, as he says, that his party is ready to govern. So, um, furthermore, of course, uh, again, um, the Times is reporting that Mr. Sunak, um, who gave again, again about the speech he gave in East London yesterday, told the audience the people's priorities were the government's priorities and there would be no tricks in the past to deliver on the key policy. And then the Guardians, um, again, speaks out about Sunar's urges people to judge him on results. 
So the Guardian leads with an exclusive report which says the UK government has excused a company linked to the converse, conservative peer Michael Moan on supplying defective guns that could have compromised the safety of patients had they been used in the NSH. The Department of Health and Social Care has alleged the guns were rejected because they were not sterile. The papers adds, in its report, the Guardian says, Ms. Moan has previously denied via her lawyers that she had any beneficial benefit from the company. Coming to Mirror, the Daily Mirror reports on the impact of ambulance waiting time on the specific family as Mini Rahman told the paper her dad died whilst waiting for an ambulance on Christmas Eve. Mini refused to blame NSH stuff. The paper reports and she adds that the government created this situation. The Sun reports an unlikely coincidence that took place on Christmas Day in Peterborough. Lauren Conte who was pregnant at the time, dressed up as the Virgin Mary to surprise her family, but her baby arrived early and she went into labor at her parents' home whilst wearing the costume. The paper said, well, it must be very, um, I won't say funny, but a surprise also for the doctors. So, um, largely meaning uh, is that, uh, largely the papers are covering uh, the speech of the Prime Minister and the pledge he made to fix Great Britain um, both the Telegraph and the Financial Times look ahead to Sir Kama's speech later today. The Telegraph suggests his vote not to get the big government checkbook out again is a message designed to be a break from the rhetoric and of Jeremy Corbyn and even Gordon Brown. In its front page, the Times says the government is planning to curb the right to strike with the law that would enable employers to see unions and suck, sack stuff. The paper says that the laws would introduce minimum service level for sectors including health and borders as well as rail and that any walkout which breached them would be deemed illegal. Unions are expected to take legal action to stop proposals. The listeners the Daily Mirror leads with the revelation by a daughter that her 58 years old of her died while waiting for an ambulance. As mentioned, Mini Rahman says she made three calls to 999 for Father Iqbal, who died on Christmas Eve. West Midlands Ambulance Service apologized, saying it was experiencing long hospital and over delays. Meanwhile, the Telegraph reports that hospitals are running out of oxygen because of the number of patients being treated in corridors and waiting in ambulances. Doctors say there aren't enough portable canisters left. Anderson tells the tales of a heavily pregnant woman who dressed up as the Virgin Mary for what it calls a laugh on Christmas Day, but then expectedly went into labor early. Lauren Conte from Peterborough said they all joked about the baby arriving on Christmas Day, but hadn't expected it to happen. She named her child with the note to the nativity Joshua Joseph. Furthermore, dear listeners, um... It is, uh, just, as I mentioned before, mo the biggest headlines we see is about the pledged the five promises which were made by our Prime Minister to fix this nation, to fix Great Britain. One uh, another um, very uh, interesting sto topic is about Pope Benedict XVI. Uh, around 200 people attended uh, his uh, 
uh, during his lying in state over the last three days, the Vatican says his body has been sealed in a coffin ahead of his funeral on Thursday. Pope Francis will preside over the funeral, the first time a sitting pope has led his predecessor's funeral in over 220 years, the Vatican says. The former pope, as you know, died on New Year's Eve at the age of 95, almost a decade after standing down because of ill health. Now, tens of thousands of people are expected to attend the funeral at St. Peter's Square in front of St. Peter's Basilia at 9.30 local time. The event will be marked by simplicity in line with that what Benedict has asked for, the Vatican says. Because Benedict was no longer a head of state when he died, only official delegations from Italy and Benedict's native Germany will attend. Other leaders will be there in unofficial capacities, including King Philip of Belgium and King Letizia of Spain, as well as the leaders of Poland and Hungary, the Catholic News Agency reports. The Pope, the, the retired Pope, will be laid to rest in the tombs beneath the Basilia, where more than 90 pontiffs are buried, according to, to his final wishes. Before being laid, his body will be sealed in a zinc coffin, which will then be put in a wooden case, items symbolizing his time will also be placed alongside his body. A day of national mourning has been declared in Portugal, while in Italy flags will be flown at half-mast on public buildings throughout the country. Church bells will ring at 11 in the morning in Germany to commemorate the German-born former Pope's memory. Then Kevin McCarthy Three ways the House Speaker's statement could finally end. But this is very interesting, dear listeners. The days of voting are in the books, and the U.S. of Representatives isn't any closer to electing a Speaker. In fact, the Chamber may be far, uh, farther away. Kevin McCarthy, who is, has served as the party's House Majority Leader for four years, has 20 Republicans standing between him and the Gable, and they aren't budging. Matt Geetz, one of those who called Never Kevin, described Mr. McCarthy as a desperate guy and said his request was simple for him to drop out of the race. Now, Mr. McCarthy, uh, for his part, pushed for the House to adjourn until Thursday, granting a third day of voting. He said, I don't think a vote tonight will make a difference, he said, insisting that progress will be made, but a vote in the future will. With that in mind, Dear listeners, as you know, um, the representative of the uh, the the, um, the House of Representatives uh, is one of the most uh, important um, role in the U.S. government, and um, we will look forward. We will also um, people will obviously look forward to the to who will be nominated um, for this. Um, furthermore, dear listeners, um, UK new car sales hit 30 years low, but electric vehicle demand soars. This is what BBC News is reporting. New car registration in the UK fell last year to the lowest level in three decades. This is what new figures have shown. Despite a recovery in the second half of 2022, a continuing parts shortage hit production lines. Meanwhile, demand for electric vehicles continued to grow and they accounted for almost a fifth of new car t sales. 
but charging infrastructures is not being built quickly enough to cope with growing demand want a society of motor manufacturers and traders. Across the whole of 2022, 1.61 million new cars were registered in the UK that was the lowest level since 1992. The market continued to feel the impact of the COVID pandemic. Sales were slightly lower than in 2021, a period affected by lockdowns and other restrictions. And some 25% down on 2019, the last normal year before the outbreak. Although demand for new vehicles remained high, manufacturers struggled to get holds of parts. There were particularly serious problems obtaining uh, semiconductors, which are used in the vast array of electronic systems from in-car entertainment to engine management. So, uh, Ms. Mike Howes, chief executive of the SWMT, says it's still the long COVID effect. The key issue is global disruption to supply chains. The demand we know is there. Manufacturers have just realized struggle to be able to make vehicles in sufficient quantities. Now, registration did improve significantly in the second half of the year, by registration growing for five months in a row. The trend is expected to continue this year. The, uh, the listeners, um, I was just joined with my uh, co-host, uh, Daniel, Daniel, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Yep, thank you very much. Good morning to you as well. How is going? Everything? Uh, good? It's going good. Uh, Daniel, I'm just reading about uh, vehicles, cars. People are not buying cars anymore. Mm. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you have a license? Yeah, it's sad to know. Uh, I don't have a license. I once attempted to pass uh, uh, two years ago. But almost. that's it. That's it. Yeah, but, yeah, but failed to do so. Yeah. But so you are you don't you don't struggle with the car yet to <laughs> buy a car. I do struggle while traveling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't understand that. You, I assume you didn't come with uh, the underground or train because the train was striking. Yeah, but I I was supposed to uh, get the underground. And but uh, sadly, it was closed uh, due to some strikes, so I have to get um, uh, by bus here. Yeah, so yeah, that's why I, I came. You know, it's a very. It was a long journey for yeah. you too. Now I understand that. Uh, I mean, uh, you you be one of the person who's affected from the strike, especially uh, someone who would use the train. How is it like? Is, is it being changing? Is it be struggling as well? Is it be um, disturbing for you to know that um, the train is not running now? I have to take another vehicle, etc. Yeah, it does affect uh, affected me. Like uh, I have to travel to somewhere like uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I should be there at my coach station like uh, half an hour before the. Uh, departure time, but I was late uh, due to these strikes, so it uh, it did affected me as well. Yeah, so I I can understand how the people around me, um, and uh, especially in uh, the people who are living in London, yeah, they are affected by these strikes, and those people who have to go to work and um, they are getting late. So yeah, it uh, it's not only affecting um, people like me who have to go somewhere just for for some uh, you know side work, but the those people who have to go for actually for their work, uh, 
and uh, they have to run their households they are affecting by you know these strikes and such strikes are not uh, affecting only the employees they are, they are affecting also the um, uh, employers as well so both parties are being affected by these strikes so you're hoping for Rishi uh, Sunak, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, to fulfill the four, those five pledges he made yesterday. Yeah. We're looking forward for this as well as uh, the train is striking. Also, the NSH staff is struggling, striking as well. Doctors are striking as well, and it has a big effect nationwide as well. Yeah, it does. It does. So we we are seeing that it's a it's a lot of uh, you know huge chaos. Uh, all around the country, uh, the NHS is striking. The rail uh, is striking as well underground, and moreover, the uh, also we have the topic as well, uh, ambulance strikes as well. Mm. So the ambulances are striking as well. So people who will be in dire uh, state uh, to get some sort of uh, help uh, from. Uh, ambulances, uh, they are getting affected by these strikes. So it's it's a very, you know, uh, sad situation we are in, in right now. Of course, it is a very sad, strange situation as well. Yeah. Um, I said again, believing in Europe, we never ex- have never expected that, but it's <coughs> not happening. Do you think Brexit is playing a big role into that as well, that... Suddenly, people are striking because one of the reasons is that the income is not enough for people, especially those uh, where you thought they are doing a job where the income should be fine, but now are struggling as well and uh, looking for the next food bank to go and uh, to get something for themselves and the family. Do you think Brexit is playing a big role into that as well? Um. You know, that's kind of a uh, very uh, difficult question uh, to answer because uh, Brexit does have some sort of, um, I would say, uh, downfalls, or, but on the other uh, other side, it does have some advantages as well. Uh, like, I won't say that it, uh, it has that many advantages, but... I would say that uh, a couple of days ago, I was looking at the inflation rate uh, of UK compared to Germany, and um, Germany has a higher inflation rate um, uh, than UK. So there are many countries uh, around uh, UK in Europe who have much higher inflation rate than UK, and they are affected by COVID much more than UK. Uh, um, so I think the situation in which we are right now uh, after or you can say uh, after the pandemic uh, COVID-19 so it it has affected many countries uh, almost uh, all around the globe um, all countries have been affected by it so I won't say that uh, it's only the Brexit uh, whose uh, side effects or aftermaths we are seeing uh, right now, but uh, the COVID uh, pandemic has also played its uh, its part as well um, uh, to those things which we are seeing right now. So yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Just pretty much it. Um, yeah, let's just, um, we'll come now to sports. What's your favorite sport, Daniel? Cricket? Uh, there are many sports I would like to play. I I used to play squash, badminton, cricket, uh, long tennis. Um, you know, I'm just uh, a lover of football, uh, of, of sports, many sports. Uh, right now, currently, <laughs> I'm getting fat and uh, not playing any sports. Uh, I need to sp- play sports as well. So, yeah. But you, are you following any sports? Uh, following, like watching, I I do watch. I did follow Football World Cup, uh, but not on regular basis. I do watch football, but I do watch cricket uh, on regular basis. All right. So yeah. you do watch cricket on a regular basis. Is there any match? Happening, any matches happening uh, uh, yep. around the globe? Uh, currently, there are two matches uh, going on. Um, number one is um, South Africa playing Australia in Australia, and they are about to get whitewashed. And uh, who, Buc- Australia or South Africa? Or South Africa. Okay, that's very sad. Uh, that's very sad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> being a by being a, like they're being good guests though, like coming over there, not taking anything. Mm, yeah. Or you shouldn't leave someone empty-handed though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, by the way, it's, uh, it's a test match, and the second test match is against is uh, is Pakistan versus um, New Zealand, and New Zealand right now is in Karachi playing against Pakistan. And uh, I think uh, this match is going to get draw because uh, can't see anyone winning on this pitch. Right, you listeners. Um, we were going off for a short break, and after the first break, we'll be back with our first segment, which is about Christmas and why Christmas is celebrated also in January. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, do me a favor, stay tuned with Radio Voice of Islam. In an age where religion is considered to be a thing of the past, pushed aside with the belief in fairy tales and the supernatural, many theists today struggle to come to terms with the actual principal objectives of religion. How can we conceptualize a conscious creator? What are the means of acquiring good morals and avoiding evil ones? What part does religion play within a state? What is the state of man after death? To find out the answers, read Ahmadiyat or the True Islam by Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, the second Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Visit www.alislam.org to read online or download the PDF. In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever, uh, most gracious and merciful, dear listeners, welcome back. To Radio Voice of Islam. My name is Shami Ahmed and I'm joined here with my co host and brother Daniel. Daniel, I know it's being late now. Christmas is over. We have seen people have celebrated Christmas together with family and friends. Did you get any gifts from your neighbors, etc.? Sadly, I didn't. Because uh, uh, okay, uh, my, my neighbors are not uh, Christians, so they are Muslims and. Uh, but we do, you know, kind of um, try to get into the celebration of uh, Christians to uh, welcome them uh, in any way we can, uh, in any Muslim way we can. 
I would say so. Simply also pray for them, but also tell them yeah. the story of Jesus mentioned in the Holy Quran, which most of the people even don't know. Mm-hmm. That what is who is Jesus? What's the status of Jesus and his mother Mary? Uh, we will discuss this also for them. But um, Daniel, Christmas seems like it's not over yet for a few people around the globe. What is the gist of today's story? Uh, so the gist of the story is that um, as our first segment is Christmas in January. So there are some people who do celebrate Christmas in January. So uh, uh, so the gist of the story is that not all Christians celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. Some, uh, such as Orthodox uh, Christians, actually celebrate it on the 7th of January. Uh, due to the differing calendars uh, used by the different denominations. Uh, Orthodox churches adhere to the 2,000-year-old calendar that differs to the one we use today, the Julian calendar. So, calendar, you know, if you simply think on calendar, you you realize how important calendars basically are for everything. If you have an appointment, you will notice it's down for a new calendar. And there are many, like in history, we see in history of humanity, we see there being like different calendars as well. We have, for example, the Maya calendar, we have the Chinese calendar, Mm -hmm. we have even the Hindu, the Indian calendar. Um, We have the uh, lunar calendar as well yeah the hijri calendar which is very important for us muslims for us, yeah i mean um of course mo- most of us and we, even we 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 follow uh the julian calendar but as i just mentioned few calendars are still there which are followed by certain people as well because they're important as well for us i just mentioned hijri calendar which is all about us muslims it is important for us because from that calendar we can um take out few certain po- uh, uh, dates which uh, mm-hmm. we can follow for example the month of Ramadan yeah. it is mentioned in the Holy Quran and uh, it is important for us and without the Hijri calendar the Islamic calendar yeah. we would never know uh, when to start the month of Ramadan or when to um, Certainly, yeah. celebrate uh, the Islamic feast we have the festivals like Eid mm-hmm. so the, uh, there are certain calendars which are followed by certain people which of course are imported but still um if you look in, uh, in the calendars i mean it is very interesting who was who, who was the first person who invented calendar i mean i think that person must be the one of the most Im- uh, intelligent person who actually invented calendar uh, mm. so if you look in calendars it goes back uh, nearly 5000 years ago yeah. uh, where that's surprising yeah. very surprising the old egyptian basically Mm-hmm. Where the one who base uh, which uh, is like um it's related that they were the first who basically used the calendar, mm-hmm. and in the time it was changed and changed, and then the, the emperor uh, Julius Caesar mm-hmm. changed the calendar in this way that we are following it right now. Mm-hmm. So you can see how much influence even uh, Julius Caesar had to change the calendar. Mm-hmm. To change from dates and month as well, and now we are following the month. Uh, and the dates of this calendar. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, um, uh, um, Daniel, yeah. because uh, 
it's not just about we don't just stop talk about talking about the calendar of mm-hmm. we will also talk about and discuss about Jesus but this if you talk if you talk about Jesus we can't leave out his mother as well Mary mm-hmm. because she's playing a big role she played a big role in his life as well and even um surprisingly they both are not mentioned only in uh, the New Testament but also in the Holy Quran and the status of them is highly regarded um the listeners um i don't know if you know that but mary uh, the mother of jesus the way quran has mentioned her uh or let's say the way quran has basically uh portrayed her is amazing and it's not it's starting with her self start basically with the family background mm-hmm. uh in chapter three with 34 Allah says in the Holy Quran in uh, regards of his uh, family uh, God has said that Allah has cho- um, Allah has chosen Noah sorry Allah has chosen Adam and Noah uh, on uh, and the family of Abraham and the family of Imran above all people so Imran being the father of Mary this mm. is what we believe uh has mentioned here and God has said that he has chosen his family and the family of Adam and Noah and Prof- uh, Prophet Abraham above all the all people. Mm-hmm. Now his family or her, sorry, her family or further is basically mentioned with other prophets. We believe that Imran was not a prophet mm-hmm. but to mention him with other prophets says that how much respect Allah basic or the Islamic God has put for Mary has given to Mary as well uh, and um, not for th- not even that um, even the her mother the vow she made to sacrifice her and the cause of her Lord like not to sacrifice her physically but um, to uh, devote her for the duty of God for the savers of God mm. it also mentioned uh, in the Holy Quran Uh, it says that remember when the woman of Imran said, "My Lord, I have vowed to thee what is my womb to dedicate to thy service. So do accept it for, uh, of me, while he thou alone are all hurting and lying." And did he think that the vow she made, she has fulfilled the vow as a mother mm. to pr- prepare her to raise her in this sense that she will serve mm. her, uh, her Lord as well. She will serve God, but also being. Like growing up, she's being uh, she she himself also fulfilled the war as well. The dude to service um, towards God and mankind, and um, therefore she is also highly regarded um, uh, in the Holy Quran as well. And uh, um, not even that. Uh, furthermore, Allah says that um, and remember when the angel said. Oh Mary, Allah has chosen thee and purified thee and chosen thee above the woman of all peoples. And I think this is one of the greatest compliment or yeah, basically um, the greatest honor a young woman can actually have. Mm. Well, basically God says that he has chosen her and chosen thee above the woman of all peoples. Yeah. And um, she is someone, um, dear listeners, we basically every muslims around the world would say that we have taken her as a role model and she's playing a big part in our life as well 
Ähm, soll das also ein bisschen zu sein, was heißt? Mary, elevated status is reflected by the fact that the Quran says the true Muslims should develop the qualities of Mary. And if they do, so then they will be those who never cause harm or suffering to anyone. Every MD Muslim therefore seeks to instill within him themselves the purity, nobility, and piety of Mary herself. Mm. So I just wanted to give a small background about that as well, uh, about Mary, because as I said, if we talk about Jesus, we talk about Mary as well. Yeah. And uh, the reason is because we can learn from her life as well. But um, what is uh, coming back to the Christian festival of celebrating Christmas so then yeah, normally what I know is Christmas is celebrated on the 25th of December well, this is what mm. people mostly believe the date the, uh, where Jesus was born now uh, what is the um, why is, is that Orthodox Christian celebrated in January and what is there any differences between the celebrate uh, so the different dates uh, for Christmas Day comes down to the use of varying calendars as we have discussed now um, as you have mentioned many different calendars as well so the Julian calendar created by Julius Caesar in 45 BC is used by Orthodox Christians and uh, is based on a solar year on the other hand the Gregorian calendar proposed by Latin Pope uh, Gregory of Rome in 1582 is used by the majority of the Christian world. Um, the birth of uh, Jesus, um, Isa, uh, may peace be upon him, uh, during the month of summer, according to, uh, to the Holy Quran, the birth of Jesus took place at a time when fresh dates are found on palm trees in Judah. After delivering Jesus under a palm tree, um, an angel came to and spoke to Mary, saying that, And shake towards thyself the trunk uh, of the palm tree. Uh, it will drop upon thy uh, fresh ripe dates. Uh, similarly, we found many different... So, so basically, sorry, I'm just interrupting yeah, you. That's fine. Um, the day, like the... Um, the birth of Jesus also mentioned the Holy Quran. So yeah, yeah. So God has basically also explained us the way. Okay, this is very important because uh, interesting as well, as I said, um, it's not the only the New Testament, but also the Quran is mentioning mm. things. Yeah. Okay, please, please carry on. I just wanted to highlight this. Yeah, but as you have uh, also mentioned that you are talking about the dates as well. So we see that the um, the 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 summer poets, the summer is that um, uh, you know, when the dates grow specifically. So basically, so we found, yeah. Uh, if it comes like, for example, the date when he was born, a date, mm. date, um, it's not a mentioning in the Holy Quran, but um, it's very interesting to know if there is basically a date mentioned somewhere, for example, in the New Testament or not. And the listeners, to discuss these things, we need someone who's a yes. professional for that as well. And we have right now a prof a prof someone who is experienced in this field as well. We have Professor David Wilkinson with us, um, who is principal of St. John's College, Durham University. He is also a professor in the Department of Theology and Religion. And he, he holds uh, doctorates in both theoretical astrophysics and systematic uh, theology. His current work involves the relationship of the Christian phrase to contemporary culture, from science to pop culture, 
and he leads a research project called Equipping Christian Leadership in an Age of Science. Uh, Professor David Wilkinson, good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor to have you with us. Um, Professor, um, we, most of us know that Christmas is celebrated on the 25th of December. But we also know that there are uh, a few Christians who do celebrate Christmas a bit later than uh, most of the people. Um And uh, so I know that the Orthodox Christians, they celebrate Christmas in January. Um, why is this change significant and what is the history behind it? Yeah, the history is really interesting and quite complex. And it's all to do with the fact that the astronomical year is slightly different from the calendar year. So uh, uh, the sun goes round, uh, sorry, the earth goes round the sun. Mm. Um, Every, roughly every 365 days, but it's not exact in days. It's about 365 days and six hours on average. And so, uh, although you can only have days in terms of where the, the sun is, the earth is rotating, you lose or make up six hours every year. Now, in terms of then making up a calendar, to tie in with the fact that the astronomical year determines seasons and things of that sort. Uh, over centuries, people have tried different ways of doing the calendar. The Hebrews uh, added an extra month from time to time. But in 45 BC, Julius Caesar um, added a, a leap year every four years to deal with this extra six hours or so. But it's not exactly six hours. And so uh, much later, uh, Gregory the 13th, the Pope, in 1582, made a slight variation uh, by just a small fraction in terms of the number of leap years. So you've got Julius Caesar's calendar trying to deal with this extra mm -hmm. six hours. You've got Pope Gregory's calendar trying to deal with this extra six hours, and they're slightly different. And because of politics and history, in terms of the history, particularly of Western Christianity, um, uh, Western churches went with Pope Gregory, the Gregorian calendar, but the Orthodox churches, some particularly in places like Russia and Ukraine, stayed with the Julian calendar. And the two are slightly different. Mm -hmm. And that's why Christmas uh, is dated differently in the Orthodox tradition rather than to, um, to the Western tradition. It's all because um, the year is not 365 days exactly. It's 365 days and a little bit, and it's how you deal with that little bit mm -hmm. that has, uh, people have disagreed upon. I understand. Okay, interesting. Um, Professor, um, about, uh, we were just asked, um, about the date of the birth yes. of Jesus. Um, is there any um, number or mentioned in the Bible, in the New Testament, that this day he was born? No, there's not. And that's really interesting. Because the New Testament, um, the, those who wrote about the life of Jesus, what we call the gospel writers within the Christian tradition, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all interested in history, but they're not particularly interested in the date of the birth of Jesus. In Luke's account of Jesus, um, Luke takes history very seriously, and he talks about how Jesus 
was born in the days of Caesar Augustus, um, when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. But some of that is quite difficult to date precisely. And so there's no specific date given. There's no 25th of December uh, in the Bible. Uh, there are indications that, you know, when you go to a school nativity play in the UK, uh, you see Mary and Joseph and you see the shepherds and you see the wise men all there at the same time. Actually, the Bible doesn't say that. Um, it says that the wise men or the astrologers or the magi from the East, they came later when Jesus was not a baby but a child. Mm -hmm. So nativity plays often crush together what could have been quite an extended time discussing the birth of Jesus. Um, but the 25th of December, why that was chosen by Christians to celebrate Christmas um, is, well, that's really difficult to understand as well. Some people say it was an already existing Roman festival which celebrated the, the sun in winter, and Christians took that over um, and saw in the imagery of light and darkness, the imagery of God overcoming darkness. Some people think that it's because people tried to work back from the conception of Jesus nine months before. But it's all uh, very difficult, and there's no date mentioned in uh, the New Testament about the birth of Jesus. Um, Professor, you said that um, uh, it was taken like uh, slightly from a Roman custom. Um, which yeah. I believe would then be happened in 300 years after the, uh, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus, right? Yes, about 200 years after. Okay, and then how uh, is there any uh, mentioning that uh, how the early Christians celebrated the birthday of yeah. um, Jesus? Yes, well, they they celebrated it in similar ways to how Christians do it today, and that is that there was something about uh, feasting and rejoicing. Um, now, the Orthodox tradition, the ones who often will celebrate Christmas later, have a much stronger tradition of fasting in the run-up to Christmas. Within Western tradition, there's not that much fasting. There's an awful lot of feasting. But all of the churches have this sense of focusing upon the significance of Christ uh, and Christ's birth. And they do so through combinations of different foods, different festivals, different feasts, um, and a degree of uh, thinking about the story. So, for instance, in the Orthodox Church, um, there's uh, a tradition of fasting right through to either December the 25th or January the 7th, and then great feasts, feasts of 12 courses for some churches, um, when the fast is broken by the feast. And, of course, we see that pattern of fasting and feasting, not just in Christianity, but a number of world faiths. Interesting. Um, so, um, Professor, um, about the month where he was born, because you just mentioned, yeah. uh, you already beautifully explained that um, it is taken from the Roman custom, that's why the 25th of December. But is there also an indication in the Bible that he was born during this month or during this weather? Well, not really, although some people have tried to work out um, a way of doing it through 
Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, which mentions a star which appears in the sky. And this is a star that is attra attracts the attention of uh, astrologers or wise men from the east. And so some people have tried to uh, locate what that star was. And some people think it might have been uh, when Jupiter and Saturn got very close together in the sky, what's called a planetary conjunction, when the two planets are so close together they appear to be one light. Some people have thought it might have been a comet uh, going across the sky. Some people have argued that it was a supernova explosion. When stars come to the end of their lives, when they use up all of their fuel, they explode in a massive explosion called a supernova. And some people have tried those um, astronomical signs to try and date the birth of Jesus. I have to say, in my own view, none of them are terribly successful. We just don't have enough data in order to work that out. And of course, some Christians believe that the star itself was just a miraculous sign. So that's something that just God did, and therefore you can't get a dating from that. So in terms of the actual date, Christians uh, don't know, to be honest. We know that, and it's very important for Christians, that Jesus was born in history, but we don't quite know when in history, at least in terms of the month. Mm -hmm. So, Professor, you know that you did mention that Orthodox Christianity um, differs from other denominations of Christianity in terms of uh, differing from the calendar. So what, in what other ways does uh, Orthodox Christianity differ from other denominations of Christianity, if you can elaborate? You yes, know? of course. It's a very important question. Yeah. And it all goes back again to history and to 1054, when the Orthodox Church went its separate way from what became the Roman Catholic Church. And there were two main areas of dispute. One was political and one was doctrinal. And the political dispute was over the authority of the Pope, the Pope in Rome, and whether the Pope had authority over all churches in different countries. Now, the Roman Catholic Church had a very high view of the role of the Pope as the supreme leader of the Church. The Orthodox Church didn't agree with that and had its own patriarch based not in Rome but in Constantinople. And that was that political kind of who's in control was coupled with a number of disagreements, fairly minor disagreements in how you understood Christianity. Um, and the combination of the doctrinal and the political differences led to what was called the Great Split in 1054. And each mm -hmm. of those churches, the Roman Catholic Church, um, split away and excommunicated the leader of the Orthodox Church, and the Orthodox Church excommunicated the leader of the Roman Catholic Church. And it wasn't until 1965 when Pope Paul VI and the then Patriarch of the Orthodox Church lifted this long-standing mutual excommunication um, and came to some form of reconciliation. Now, there is a sli still a kind of different emphasis on some 
issues of doctrine within the Orthodox Church, particularly around the role of the Holy Spirit. As you know, Christians believe that God is one, but in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And there's some disagreement about that. But when it comes to, to Christmas and the understanding of who Jesus is, both the Western churches and the Orthodox churches agree on the significance of Jesus as the one who embodies uh, the divinity of God, the one who shows us that God is a God of love, and a God who reaches out in order to rescue us from the rebellion of our sin. Mm. So, Professor, you know, in order to understand um, Orthodox Christianity, can you just also elaborate uh, on the core beliefs of uh, Orthodox Christianity so we can, you know, better understand them? Yes. The core beliefs of Orthodox Christianity are the same as the core beliefs of Roman Catholic Christianity or the uh, of Protestant Christianity. Uh, a few years ago, before the pandemic and before, um, indeed, the war in Ukraine, I visited a number of Orthodox churches, cathedrals, and seminaries in Kyiv, uh, where I lectured and talked with a number of the Orthodox Christians there. And we would uh, be united on the core, as you say, the core beliefs, which are uh, there is one God who created the universe, the uh, supreme creator, that human beings have rebelled against God through sin, that, um, that Jesus is God who comes into our world and reaches out to us to rescue us, that Jesus was raised from the dead, and that the Holy Spirit, the life of God, is given to all believers. Now, those core beliefs are shared by all Christians. Um, other things will differ slightly, but they're different differences of emphasis. And so, as a Protestant Christian, which I am, here in the UK, mm-hmm. um, I'll I've just been invited to write a piece on science and theology for a for an orthodox encyclopedia of theology. Mm-hmm. And that shows that often the core beliefs are common across the different branches of Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's often how you govern churches, how you deal with authority. Um, that's often uh, the way that distinguishes different churches mm-hmm. uh, rather more than the core beliefs. Hmm. Professor, um, thank you for taking out your time. It was very interesting listening to you, and uh, it was very amazing to listen to those to those interesting facts. Um, I wish you all the best and a very blessed day ahead. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, and thank, thank you for all of the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. So, dear listeners, um, you can call in at any time. Be a part of the show. Let us know. Um, how do you celebrate Christmas if you are from the Christian belief mm-hmm. and uh, being a Muslim how do you think um, how uh, what is the, the status of Jesus if you can also be uh, call in and tell us uh, about the status you have learned from the Holy Quran about Jesus and his mother Mary uh, the number is 020-86-877-878 or you can tweet it at Voice of Islam UK um but it's, uh, sorry, uh, Daniel, we just listened to Professor Wilkinson, who is uh, t- principal of the St. John's College, Durham University. Interesting fact is that he explained the calendar 
Mm. How the, the, the calendar was invented and about six hours as well. How <laughs> different people try to, um, you know, uh, make the calendar in this sense that the six hours would also mm. be a part of this calendar, etc. as well. So it is very interesting that from this point also why the Orthodox Christians and uh, the old Christians uh, celebrate Christmas on different days and um, about the date, the birth of Jesus, when it was, etc. It is very interesting um, because in, for us Muslims, even though we're not celebrating Christmas, mm. but it is interesting for us because we are part of this Western society. We part of the, um, we know the Christian uh, religion as well. Our friends are Christian as well, and yeah. sometimes um, they do give us presents, gifts as well for this cause as well, and we do gifts give them back gift in our festivals as well mm-hmm. this is how we do sharing caring dear listeners um, we will go for a short break but we will carry on this topic uh, do me a favor stay tuned with the voice of islam radio we'll be back after the news break you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed in the name of allah the most gracious ever merciful dear listeners assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh may the peace and blessings of allah be with you all my name is Shahmin Ahmed. I'm joined with Daniel, and we are listening to the Radio Voice of Islam to another episode of Breakfast Show. And before the news break, Daniel, we were covering this topic of Christmas, Christmas in uh, January. But there's one thing uh, most people also, I'm sure they have asked you <coughs> as well, that what is the reason why do we not celebrate Christmas? I mean... Uh, it has to do something with our belief as well. So, Daniel, um, before we carry on uh, with that, um, we, uh, we have a sh- short clip where it is explained why Muslims are basically, or why any yeah. Muslims are not celebrating Christmas. So, uh, dear listeners, we back up. Because you can't celebrate <coughs> the days uh, of every religion. You follow Islam, so you follow the days of Islam to be celebrated. Otherwise, it will be impossible for you to cope with the celebrations of all the religions of the world. Why not holy of Hindus and so so many other uh, traditional days of celebration of other religions? So because we belong to Islam and because Christmas is a religious celebration, not just an ordinary celebration, so we don't participate in that. But we are not too narrow-minded. If they are Christian friends, we do send them presents and there is no harm in it. If they invite us to a, a bite of turkey, there is no harm in, in eating of, of the turkey or sharing their Christmas cake or even presenting some, some gift to some Christian friends. There is no harm in such things. But it being a religious affair, as such, you should not celebrate it because you, your religion is not Christianity, it is Islam. Got it? Good. You see, there was one young boy here in England who, when I came here, after two years perhaps, there was Christmas, and just by way of joking, I asked him, Did you also celebrate Christmas? The answer was a positive yes. We did. So, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast. So, you just was, were listening to uh, answer of 
His Holiness, the first Caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community. Uh, and uh, the reason why we are not celebrating Christmas. Um, Daniel, Christmas, Jesus, both things are very pretty much linked together. And um, because Jesus, he is also mentioned in the Holy Quran as a prophet. Um, prophet, I mean, uh, Daniel, there are people we, we have highly respect high, uh, for them as well. Um, uh, and Quran speaks always in a very positive and very uh, good manner in, in regards of these people. Uh, and uh, Jesus uh, was mentioned in Holy Quran multiple times as well. Um, prophets, I mean, one thing is for sure that uh, the fourth, uh, it's the first fundamental article of faith in Islam to believe in yeah. all the prophets. Uh, and to be a prophet is not always easy. What I've learned from the Holy Quran about prophet is that they were brave, mm. strong, intelligent. Uh, the level of spirituality was pretty much higher. Mm. And yep. they were, in God's eye, considered as the best people in their society in that time. Mm. And even yet, even yet, um, we, we have still so much respect for them. Nowhere in the Holy Quran there's any mentioning against any prophet. They are the role models here. Yeah. They they were role models, still are role models, <coughs> and this is why we have so much respect for um, uh, Jesus as well, because we consider him as as a prophet of 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 Islam in Islam as well. Um, you know, um, the, every prophet has one thing in common: they they came to deliver a message, mm. and. Uh, this message was not confined to the areas of belief, but also covered the areas of practices and implementations of the belief. A prophet was, as you said, a role model as well. And uh, there was basically, of course, unfortunately, every prophet had enemies because of pride and arrogance. People would not believe on them. Mm. But still, they were you know, able to put any finger or to lay any finger on the characteristic of a prophet as well. Mm. Because, as I said, before the... Where uh, before they claimed the prophet, their life was very uh, ha holy as well. People would admire the way they would live, and uh, slightly so in this sense, they would become role models as well. Um, we have the holy prophet peace be upon him, and uh, the holy uh, the prophet peace be upon him. It is because of him we have so much respect for Jesus so, and a, yeah. uh, for Mary as well. If he would not come. We Muslim wouldn't have never had so much respect for him. He was the one who basically implemented the respect of mm. Jesus, not only of uh, Jesus, but also of other prophets, which are also mentioned in the Bible, like Adam, uh, Moses, Abraham, or people who are mentioned in the Bible as uh, someone who are very close to God, but are considered as prophets in the Holy Quran as well as uh, David and Solomon. So these people. I just mentioned um, are basically respected in in our in our eyes because the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, the founder of the Islamic religion, told us to do so, and only because of him we have so highly respect for Jesus and Mary as well. Put it simple, we we love our parents, but we do love prophets more than our parents. 
Um, but coming back to one point, um, Daniel, you were mentioning before we had Professor Wilkinson with us mm-hmm. about the month of where when Jesus was born, about the weather as well. You were explaining it from the Holy Quran. If you can carry on from there, please. Yeah, as I have mentioned from the Holy Quran, uh, so it goes for the Bible as well. There are certain things mentioned in the Bible where can where we can take the hint or we can imply that Jesus was born in in summer time so <coughs> so the gospel of luke mentions uh, shepherds would sleep outside uh, which indicates uh, the summer season and the bible also mentions that shepherds uh, were watching their sheep at the time of Jesus birth Uh, which would have been most likely unlikely in December when the climate in Judah is extremely cold. An important thing to note is that uh, no date was mentioned for the birth of Jesus, uh, peace be upon him, only the season, summertime, and uh, early Christians never celebrated his birthday. Roman tradition brought this celebration as it was also mentioned by our esteemed guest, uh, Dr. Uh, Professor uh, Wilkinson. Um, so the Roman tradition brought this celebration habit as they used to celebrate the sun. <coughs> so, you know, the um, we need to remember that um, the whole uh, purpose of uh, uh christianity is celebrating the uh, this uh, tradition uh the 25th of uh december um in the remembrance of uh, the birth of jesus is to so that they can increase in their spirituality uh, but daniel just one thing um because you just mentioned and the professor he's mentioned as well the date of jesus birth was not mentioned hmm. it was mainly adopted from the Roman habit or custom as well and uh, became a part of their religion as well. You just mentioned it was happened in the summer times as well. Um, The early Christian I just asked never celebrated his Christmas. Mm -hmm. So in this regards, the early Christmas, the early Christian, sorry, what they would celebrate or what they would uh, consider as religious feast was basically Easter. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, the uh, day when Jesus basically passed away guys mm-hmm. right? so they basically celebrated the death or remembered the death not celebrated I would say they would remember the death of Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, this reminds me you know the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community he has said something very similar as well he reminded us constantly to remember the death is very near mm-hmm. he told us to, remi- uh, to, be, to remember the death the death is always with us it's very close as well and uh, of course I'm not a Christian um, and I have huge respect for uh, every uh, religion because for me it's very interesting to know that you think the new facts which are coming to- towards me um, that uh, Christmas was celebrated but they would remember the death of Jesus I, I believe uh, only f- for them to remember that um, death is also very close and uh, t- to consider that life is very short and to do the best of it mm. so i think from that point they just tried um to do, uh, think that life can go s- away so easily to every moment should be the best moment to please god basically mm. and this is what the early christian basically also did 
Yep, certainly, certainly. Yeah, that's that's the uh, core purpose of uh, each and every prophet uh, which came before. And we also believe that uh, Jesus was also a prophet of God Almighty, and his whole purpose was to bring close, uh, closer to uh, to the God Almighty, uh, the uh, the creation of God, uh, the human beings. They need to, um, you know, sort of uh, make a close relationship to God Almighty, and for for Christians uh, celebrating this um, this day is also to increase in their spirituality as well uh, that's the main and core, core purpose and that's why as you have mentioned the promised messiah as well uh, may peace and blessing of allah be upon him that he came with the two purposes as he have as he has mentioned that uh, number one is so that uh, people can uh, fulfill the due rights of god almighty and they can also and number two they also fulfill the due rights uh, to their fellow human beings so um, you know there are so many ways to celebrate um, a day uh, for example uh, people have fun on that day yeah no obviously i mean that's one point as well the families come together and everything and uh, and and you know the fourth caliph just said if someone invites us as well we should go yeah. there and we should accept our um, uh, gifts as well etc um and you know this is important because we muslim we live in this western society i've grown up with christian i've mm. so many christian friends there so many times um i've seen them celebrating um, this festival as well so for me it's like i'm being part of this festival as well already mm. because I'm being surrounded by so many people who celebrate this festival and uh, therefore it's very important for us to know about this festival as well and to respect this festival as well yeah, certainly yeah um the listeners w- jesus is a person who is um is a very interesting person um and a, a very discussed person as well mm. um we believe that uh, he was one of the most highest and uh, beloved person in the eyes of Allah and still is mm-hmm. and um, therefore we have so much respect for him and for her mother as I uh, just mentioned that we she's one of those persons we mentioned Holy Quran which we should take, take as a role model as well certainly I think that the best way is to revive his teachings uh, that's the best way that we can celebrate this day of course uh, and uh, this is what we do as well um, dear listeners if you want to learn more about Jesus and Mary about the status of Jesus and Mary in Islam you can do so uh, on uh, internet uh, uh, the name uh, of the internet site is sorry www.alislam.org sorry again www.alislam.org my fault uh, Islamic website uh, for running from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community where you can learn about Islamic perspective, about Islamic teachings uh, and of course uh, about uh, Jesus and Mary about status which is uh, mentioned in the Holy Quran um, Dear listeners, uh, we will go now for a short break and now for the short break we will start with our next segment which is about strikes uh, happening around uh, the, uh, the country so do me a favor Make yourself a good uh, hot uh, coffee. Uh, enjoy your breakfast. We will be back after a short break. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. When you stand up in prayer, you should know it for certain that your God has the power to do all that He wills. Then your prayer 
will be accepted and you will behold the wonders of God's power that we have beheld. Our testimony is based on seeing and is not a mere tale. How should the supplication of a person be accepted and how should he have the courage to pray at the time of great difficulties when according to him he is opposed by the law of nature? unless he believes that God has power over everything. You should not be like that. Your God is one who has suspended numberless stars without any support and who has created heaven and earth from nothing. And would you think so ill of him as to imagine that your objective is beyond his power? Such thinking will frustrate you. Our God possesses numberless wonders but only those observe them who become wholly His with certainty and fidelity. He does not disclose His powers to those who do not believe in His powers and are not faithful to Him. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. My name is Shahmin Ahmed. I am joined here with my brother, Daniel. Daniel, um, we will start this second segment. We just finished off Christmas. Um, for those Orthodox Christians who are celebrating Christmas, have a blessed uh, day ahead. Uh, what is the second segment? Uh, it's about ambulance strikes. You know, something we, we've heard many times. This is like being a part now of our daily routine. Uh, strike there, strike there, another strike, there's another strike coming, etc., etc. Those five promises made by the Prime Minister. Um what is the gist of this uh, segment? You know, discussing uh, in the first half on our, of our first segment that um, there are many people who are affected by different strikes as, uh, as, as I was telling you that uh, I was affected also by the rail strikes as well. So um, here's a story regarding ambulance strikes, uh, handling an emergency when services are unavailable. So the gist of the story is that NHS leaders have urged the public to avoid risky activity on Wednesday for fear. They may be left helpless and unable to reach A&E during the ambulance strike. So the industrial action by uh, staff across England and Wales come as the ongoing pay dispute uh, between ministers and NHS workers looks uh, poised to descend into an increasingly bitter and disruptive war of attrition and uh, that could go on for months. Um, that's, you know, very alarming that this situation can, you know, prolong for um, for for the coming months as well. Um, so, um, <clears throat> health chiefs um, have advised people to stay safe during these times. Uh, they say that you should avoid risky activity as well so that, you know, as the strikes are going on, so uh, it will be better for people to avoid such activities uh, where, which can endanger their lives. Um, avoiding getting drunk during the strike. The bodies organizi organizing the strikes uh, sent a... A direct appeal to Prime Minister Rishik Sunak for uh, for an intervention to end the standoff, warning him that otherwise people will suffer. 
um, Yorkshire Ambulance Service has told GPs that uh, they should advise patients uh, to get relatives or carers to drive them to A&E because the risks of delayed transfer would outweigh the risk of clinically supervised transport. Uh, several examples of strongly worded letters um, sent to the Prime Ministers are... You know, um, to be honest, I always thought that being a yeah. Prime Minister is never easy. Yeah? You no, go certainly. with black hair and go start governing the country and then when you're finished you have you see you realize you has grown i great. think this is one of the reasons that we have seen so many prime ministers have changed during um past um, couple of months or two um we have seen like how many prime ministers we have seen that ha- that has been changed three or four I think uh so. the last yeah since um brexit has happened uh four yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, three or four. four yeah. uh, um, uh, Prime Minister have uh, uh, left, or three have left, and Trishi uh, Sunak is the fourth one right now. <laughs> we yeah. hope that he will finish his uh, time period. Yeah, um, certainly, it's not. Uh, it's not easy. I mean, we have like this is something he, he has to deal with it now. Right mm-hmm. now, we have um, as I said, we have strikes, and we have the teachers have been striking as well. We have the rail strikes, mm-hmm. the nurses are also striking, alongside the paramedics, right? Though, um, it is said that nurses in England are to strike again across two dates in January as the row over NSH pace escalates. The Royal College of Nursing has announced that. So, the Royal Co- College of Nursing strike action is to take place on Wednesday, 18th January and Thursday, 19th January with further dates to be confirmed in the new year. So, uh, dear listeners, um, it is just to advise you and to, to make uh, to, to let you know that make sure that you stay healthy as well. Um, the NSS has already uh, urged us uh, not uh, to avoid risky activities. Yeah, and don't get involved in, in anything unhealthy activity. No, no yeah. do, uh, yes, try to stay healthy as well. To try yeah. to eat healthy stuff as well and. As a, you, you just be warned. On the 18th and 19th, they are going for another strike, which is, again, you know, very sad that the health sector has to do that, has to set, take the steps. Mm. Um, we, uh, But, you know, um, this is something, um, uh, Daniel, we need to discuss very closely. And um, yeah. the listeners, uh, I'm very uh, delighted to say that we have Lord John Henry with us. Who uh, was called on the bar in 1972, and after establishing and running a law center for three years and lecturing for a y- year, started practice in 1977 and took silk in 1987. And dear listeners, he is without doubt best known for his work in industrial relations and employment law, having appeared in most of the UK's leading collective labor law cases in the last 45 years. Now, he is an honorary professor in the law faculty of University College, uh, London, and writes extensively on industrial relations matters. He is a a labor peer and speaks mostly on issues of trade union and workers, uh, writes in the House of Lords. Um, Lord John Henley, um, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning to you. Um, Professor, uh, uh, sorry, um, Lord Henny, jo- Lord Johnny, sorry, Lord John. Um, 
around the uh, country, we have seen different professions who have gone to uh, to strikes: teachers, lecturers, public transport workers, civil servants, health professionals. Um, I mean, what could be the cause behind this? Is Brexit the cause? Is it maybe the government is not governing the country well? What is the main cause of it? Uh, well, it's quite straightforward, re- really. The, uh, the the situation is that wages, uh, uh, the real value of wages, has not increased since the financial crisis of 2010. Um, but since inflation during those years was practically static at half a percent or one percent maximum, uh, it meant that wages were uh, not falling in value. They were not increasing, but they were not falling. What has happened over the year 2022 is that inflation in Britain has risen uh, dramatically. Uh, it's now running at between 10 and 11 percent uh, on average across all the things that people need, housing, energy, food, and so on. Uh, and some of those elements, like food, for example, uh, and energy, the, the rate of inflation is much higher than 11, 11%. Wages have not kept pace with inflation. Wages in the private sector are currently being increased on average by 6.9%, and in the public sector by about Uh, 2.4%, so that you don't have to be a mathematician to work Mm. out that the real value of wages has dramatically fallen over the course of the last year. And people have become desperate. They are faced many, many uh, households, hundreds of thousands of households, millions of people, including uh, children, are faced with the dilemma of whether to heat their house in the cold of winter or to spend money on food. Um, It's it's a situation of of, uh, parallels, uh, hardness for uh, so many people. And that's the reason why uh, many uh, sectors uh, have resorted to strike action because the employers are not increasing wages. It's particularly true in in, uh, sectors where the government controls the wage bill in the public sector, in the health service, and in the private sector, which uh, where the private employers are dependent on government subsidies, such as in the railways. That's that's the reason. It's 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 quite simple. And. Lord John, yesterday the Prime Minister he vote to fix Britain in the next twelve months. He made five promises. And regarding his speech are and his promises, uh, are you now a bit calmed down or are you still worried about the situation in the UK? I'm extremely worried uh, about the situation because the government is not uh, pro- providing the, the obvious answer to the problem. And the obvious answer is to call in the parties and get them sitting Mm -hmm. around a negotiating table and negotiate a settlement to these disputes. The government is refusing to uh, make any significant offer. It's it's refusing to acknowledge that 
pay should keep pace with inflation. Uh, and it's uh, digging in for a long fight. Uh, that, that's, that's a situation which really is uh, completely unacceptable. And uh, um, as a society, what, what advice would you give us as a society to help our fellow uh, members uh, to resolve this issue quickly and peacefully? Uh, what steps should we take as a society to prevent future strikes from happening? Well, it seems to me that the that we should establish a proper system of of uh, collective bargaining across all the sectors of of uh, British industry. That's that's what's required, that, and that's what happens in um, many other countries in in uh, Western Europe that are not fight, facing the same sort of crisis because they negotiate a. a Uh, wage rises across the uh, sectors uh, and that avoids the need for disputes of the kind that we're seeing. So uh, how should, you know, employers and trade unions respond to such matters, you know, to, uh, to ensure that a long-term solution is found? Well, uh, the only long-term solution will be a negotiated settlement and and mm. I, it, it seems so obvious to me anyway that that is what the government ought to be doing instead the government is proposing yet further legislation to prevent strikes we already have what was described by one prime minister as the most restrictive laws on trade unions in the western world um But yet further legislation is what the government is, is pr proposing. Now, whether that legislation complies with international uh, law is a very uh, dubious uh, point. Uh, I, I'm convinced that it does not comply, and therefore I think the government will have difficulty in getting that legislation through, the, through Parliament. But even if they do, it's not going to resolve the uh, problems facing the British economy and the British working class. It's not going to... Uh, but simply by preventing people or some people going on strike, you're not going to uh, raise the standard of, of living of pe people. All it means is that there are the other ways found of bringing pressure on to uh, ensure that wages do keep pace with inflation. Um. Lord John, um, what is the reason? Why is the Prime Minister hesitating to negotiate with the different parties, to sit down with them on one table and to negotiate with them, to talk to them? Well, I, I agree. It seems incomprehensible, doesn't it? I, 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 uh, I, I presume that it's to do with the uh, various uh, factions within the Conservative Party and the fact that the Prime Minister's Uh, grip on leadership is quite uh, tenuous. Uh, after all, he was rejected by the membership of the Conservative Party uh, as a potential leader just a few months ago. So he's got, he's got to try and keep uh, all elements within the party uh, supportive of him. And there are a lot of people, presumably in the Conservative Party, who say that people that working people shouldn't be allowed to go on strike and the, he's this is 
this is perhaps the reason why he's refusing to negotiate and uh, uh, taking uh, such a hard stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Lord John, you know, as you know, that strikes can and are having a big impact on the public as well, on the employers and on the people taking strike action. In your opinion, is there an effective way for workers to express their views on pay and other issues without having to go on strikes? Well, the problem is this, that if, if, if workers uh, find that uh, employers uh, are not listening to them and not receptive to their arguments about why mm-hmm. pay should be increased when uh, inflation is pushing pr- prices up. Um, they have really no alternative, do they? If, if, if reason uh, doesn't prevail, if they can't persuade the, the employers and the government to provide more uh, by way of pay and improvement in conditions and so on, then they have no alternative They but to withdraw their labour. It's the, it's the ultimate um, weapon, if you like, that, that uh, workers have. Uh, and that's why, of course, it's, it's uh, protected in international law. The right to strike is a fundamental uh, human right, as is the right to collective bargaining. Which of course is is the uh, basis of the right right to strike but if if employers are not prepared to bargain collectively if they're not prepared to uh, concede the demands of workers who see their standard of living falling and falling dramatically mm-hmm. at the present time then uh, workers have no alternative but to take strike action mm-hmm. um uh just one question uh, Keir Thomas um is as you know uh he said that um he, um if if you believe that for example Keir Thomas would govern the country would there be changes in in, in uh, 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 would there be more strikes or would there be less strikes or would we see any strikes if for example Keir Thomas or someone else would govern the country well the labor party has a a policy on Uh, called a New Deal for Working People, which sets out uh, all the proposals that it's um, intending to uh, make to industrial relations law, to labor law in, in this country. And uh, if if all those proposals were implemented, then undoubtedly the uh, negotiation would be uh, a primary Oh, let me start again, then collective bar- bargaining would be the way forward. And that would mean, I, I'm sure, that there would be uh, less strikes. But ultimately, the the, the uh, money has got to be found for working people to keep pace with, at least keep pace with the rate of inflation. To, sit, sit, to have a situation where the value of wages is falling prices are increasing but wages are not keeping pace with them it is simply intolerable I, I'm sure that the Labour government wouldn't uh, um, permit that but we'll have to see there have been uh, different um, expressions of opinion from um, mem- leaders in, within the Labour Party that um, uh, 
uh, not altogether clear. Um, Lord John, sorry, just one question. Um, we have now seen that uh, teachers have been striking. Uh, we have nurses also striking. We have the rail strikes as well. In the next 12 months, are we going to see more strikes or is it going to get getting better now? Uh, the listeners, I think we have lost uh, Lord John Handy. Um, there must be a, a, some um, technical issue for that. Um, sorry for that. Maybe we can have him later again. It's very interesting what he just mentioned as well. Um, it's a bit much worrying as well what he has mentioned. Mm. Uh, the situation of the UK and the, how the government is governing the country. Uh, etiquettes of strikes are should be there as well. Um, but you know what what is most it's not of course everyone has this right everyone is looking for everyone is uh, not only working for himself he's working someone is working for his family as well for, or for her family as well to make sure that they are healthy as well they have food on mm. the table as well I, and i can understand these people as well the situation they're going through as well um the country that the, the is going through we're living in this country and we, of yeah. course we want to have uh, a government who can govern this country as well. Mm. We want to have great Britain, right? This is what we are proud of, what you people are proud of, I'm a German, sorry. Mm. But um, it is a, it's a strange situation right now. For, um, people are going through. Uh, Daniel, um, there are some key points, right, of strikes as well, the reason why they are mm. striking as well. Um, but, you know, we were talking about the government, right? Just yeah. focus on the government, okay, for example. <laughs> the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the listeners, I just want to focus, highlight that. Before he passed away, one thing he said is that if there's any person, any gov uh, pe people from a government, of, uh, or a world leader, or, or leader of a state, there in front of you anywhere, then treat him with respect. So in this regard, you won't say anything against the government, um, but... We had role models as yes, being leaders mm. of countries or communities who have worked not only for the country but for themselves as well or for its people. Mm. Um, and in the way they have worked is that they have followed simply the words of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where he said that... Um, uh, a leader is the servant of his country. Hmm. Now, for example, um, Hazrat Umar, the second caliph of Islam, he, he would, and this is very interesting, you know, he was the leader, the caliph of Islam, um, uh, and uh, he, he would go around the streets that time in Medina, being the caliph, being the king, though. But what he do, the reason he would walk around is to see if there's anyone who's struggling or who, uh, yeah, who's, who's struggling, who has nothing to eat, who needs some support, etc. So one day he was walking and he thought, uh, he w was hearing that uh, the child is, a um, uh, 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 child is crying and he would go to look, why is the child crying? And then he, he saw that, the mother, uh, she's trying to calm the child down. She is, 
But the reason was that she had not nothing to eat, not so much left to eat, and she would, um, when she saw that um, uh, the caliph, she wouldn't recognize him as a caliph as well. She, but she would make complaints in regards of the caliph that he is mm. like not supportive, etc. Yeah. And uh, the caliph then, mm. he felt it. He not felt it because uh, his honor was gone. He felt it that his it is duty to um, help him. Uh, uh, and uh, to support his, his people, so he went back. There was kind of a food bank at that time. Mm. He got uh, some food, yes, and he asked his servant to put the this food on his um, back so he can carry around that food, to mm. bring it to that lady. And the servant said, "Listen, I'm I can do that. You're the caliph. You don't have to do that. You, you you're basically the leader of this community or country." This is what he tried was trying to explain, but. The caliph said, no, it's, it is my duty. It is my duty that I bring that food to that lady so she mm. can give it to, his, to her child. And this is, I think... Yeah, such a beautiful example. example. And it shows the uh, humility of the caliph as well. Uh, you know, uh, we see the leaders, world leaders around us that uh, the examples. And uh, on the other hand, we see the examples of our leaders, our Islamic religious leaders, uh, the caliphs as uh, to there's you know such a huge huge difference between uh, worldly leaders and the religious leaders as well uh, we see that how much down to earth uh, such religious leaders are uh, sorry uh, s- sorry for that sorry to stop but um, yeah. Lord John Handy is back again right. um, uh, uh, Lord John Handy uh, first of all apologies uh, for the technical issue we had um I just wanted to. Um, uh, I was uh, in the end. I just uh, asked that um, in the next twelve months, uh, are we going to see another strikes from different professions as well? Um, we will see more more strikes, and unless there's a negotiated uh, settlement to each one of the uh, individual uh, disputes. Um, I, I doubt that there'll be many more uh, industries involved because most industries which are unionized and have the possibility of collective bargaining uh, are already involved in one way or another in uh, in disputes and uh, industrial uh, action. Um, it, it has to be remembered that the, the workforce in Britain is, is about 31 million people and uh, uh, currently, uh, I th- uh, it's been estimated that between 1 and 1.7 million uh, workers have either been balloted for industrial action or are actually taking industrial uh, action. So it's a relatively small proportion of the workforce. But most of the workforce, of course, don't have the benefit of uh, collective bargaining at all. And if you haven't got a uh, an active union, uh, an organized workplace, and uh, the possibility of speaking collectively to the employer. Uh, from a practical perspective, it, it's quite difficult to or, or It's very difficult to organise industrial action. So that those sectors uh, where uh, unions are, are not strong and are not able to speak to employers are sectors where it's, it's probably unlikely that there will be um, industrial action, which is not to say that they mm-hmm. won't get organised, and uh, unions are uh, no doubt seeking to recruit 
members and members and workers are looking to become members of, of unions as well because the problem, of course, is not confined to those sectors which are taking industrial action. The problem is across the entire British workforce uh, of uh, pay, or the real value of pay, falling behind the real price of uh, commodities and energy and housing and so on. So um, I think we will see more more strikes, but probably not involving uh, um, other industries. But we already have so many sectors of the uh, economy involved, don't we? Yeah, we Including, do. We do. Yeah. Uh, Lord John, thank you uh, for rejoining again. I uh, really appreciate that you have taken out your time two times for us and uh, I apologize that I have pronounced your name in the, uh, in the beginning wrong. It is Lord John Handy, Casey. So thank you again for joining and I wish you a good day ahead. Thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. You. Bye. You, you know the reason I have asked him the question about the current situation because I am and of course a lot of people are concerned as well right now. Uh, and it is not. I, I don't think it is normal to have so many strikes in the country. Mm. You might be okay. You would consider this normal in, let's say, <clears throat> in a third world country, but not here in the UK. Yeah, and that's why I'm uh, kind of uh, um, concerned in this regard. Uh, unfortunately, it's happening, but and it's increasing. And and again, um, uh, gave, gave the example of the. Well, how he basically he, he 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 went and he helped you know the holy prophet peace be upon him um once uh, an enemy approached him yes mm. a fierce enemy and he he was the leader of a country as well or let's say the chief of a city and he asked the prophet uh, for some food and for some drink for for his people mm. knowing that the person in front of him is his enemy mm. but he was willing and being the king he was he told his companions to give at something so we can help our fellow human beings. So this is one thing, you know, as a society we can do. We can follow the example of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Certainly, that he yeah. helped his fierce enemy, right? And he was happy to help. And uh, this is how you build a society and this is how you build, in the end, a peaceful society as well. Certainly, yeah. Um, we have... Uh, now, Dr. Yusuf Ahmed, sub, uh, sorry, Dr. Yusuf Ahmed with us um, on hold. Dear listeners, uh, he, he is a final year medical student studying at Imperial College London. Dr. Yusuf, um, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Good morning, hello. Um, um, Dr. Yusuf, uh, what has your experience been like in the medical field as a last year medical student? And what is the culture like and what has your impression been of it? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So uh, overall, my, my experience of the NHS and uh, medical school in general has actually been been very pleasant and very enjoyable. Uh, as a career, you know, I don't think anything can match medicine. Uh, you know, I think it's one of the most rewarding careers and one of the most enjoyable as well in, in terms of many aspects. And in terms of the NHS and the culture in general, it's, you know, it's a very unique atmosphere to work in. You've got, you know, uh, essentially a million staff members 90% or 95% of whom are going above and beyond what's required of them to, to look after these patients. Um, and whilst, you know, it's, it's an incredibly rewarding career, you know, it still is quite tough 
um, you know, does require a lot of dedication and a lot of passion in, in order to be able to put in those type of hours as well. And, uh, uh, you know, recently due to uh, the UK's current climate, we have been met with an increasing amount of strikes um, in the healthcare field, especially from essential staff members such as nurses and uh, paramedics. What are your thoughts about uh, these strikes? Yes. So the issue of strikes is a difficult one. Uh, you know, of course, you know, I think it'd be foolish to say that, you know, strikes don't impact, you know, the public. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you have, you know, thousands of nurses and thousands of paramedics going on strike, there is going to be adverse effects to, to patient care. You know, you can't have you can't have the healthcare system, you know, even if it's for a day or so functioning in the same way. You know, if you have have you have those nurses going on strikes, operations are going to be put on hold. Um, and there is the there is the risk that you know in a in a system that looks after tens of thousands of patients every day, that there is you know of course the increased risk of of people dying as well as a result of these stri- strikes, especially you know with the paramedics. If you can't get an ambulance there on time, mm-hmm. of course that's going to have a risk. You know, having said that, you know the the, the argument made by these healthcare professionals that are going on strike is that in the long term, if they don't strike, the result of poor pay and the result of poor working conditions means that more people will leave the healthcare field and in the long term this will have a greater negative impact on patient care as opposed to you know as as compared to just the one day um, where you have these thousands of people striking so Mm -hmm. it's it's something that needs to have both sides of the argument weighed up you know the pros and the cons Um, having said this you know personally as a Muslim as an MD Muslim I think there are more effective ways that we can try and get changes in the healthcare career in, in, in healthcare and in, in careers in general than striking. You know, I think this is a case of being reactive instead of proactive. For, for decades now, the healthcare field has, um, and the NHS in general, has taken, you know, poor decisions by the government and stayed quiet about them and not done anything, and has allowed, allowed us to compound and compound over time where, you know, now we're at a state where, you know, I think there is a fair argument to say that, you know, pay is nowhere near where it should be for these hardworking staff like nurses and people feel that they have no other option other than to strike. Whereas, you know, as your previous speaker said as well, it would have been far better that we got hold of the situation far earlier and didn't allow the government to make poor decisions that, you know, have compounded to the point that there is no other option than to strike. Um, Dr. Yusuf, um, thank you uh, for joining today. Um, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Daniel, um Quran, you know, Islam is is not a religion, not only a religion. It's just basically mm. uh, telling us, or advising us how to live a life, right? And every sector is, is advising every sector to do certain things, to do that and that and that in this way, and your world will change. Mm. In regards of governing a country, for example, first of all, he, God says in the Holy Quran that we should give our trust to someone we believe he can govern the country, regardless from what believe he is. Mm-hmm. And that person, if he has already that uh, authority, then he should do. It. He should govern the country as justice, right? This is what Allah says in chapter four, verse fifty-nine. Mm-hmm. Now, now to understand that, how the uh, we need to look at the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, how he had basically governed the country, or how he um, basically helped people. And if it comes, sorry, if it comes to helping people, he was always in the f- front line. You know, mm-hmm. helpful for Zul. 
this is basically um, in the time of the prophet when he was not a prophet before the few people came together and built uh, a group mm. um, uh, or made uh, people come together and they made this group where they were to help people in need and if someone will come to the house they will not leave him until they have fulfilled his deeds mm. and the prophet peace upon him he was a member of this Mm. group of called Hilfe Fuzul Asbal. Yeah, certainly. And uh, the aim was mm. that before they fulfilled their own needs, they made sure that they have fulfilled the needs of someone else first. Yeah. Certainly, uh, as you have mentioned, uh, that he was a part of a group called Hilfe Fuzul. And it was even before, you know, his, uh, he was being, uh, uh, his advent of being the prophethood, and he was a part of Hilfa Vizul uh, that would, you know, offer help to the poor and the needy as well in society. Um, and, you know, there are many examples uh, we can find from the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. Um, an example of this is the story about the lady uh, who would throw rubbish on him every day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that very famous story you have heard many times um, that... As, uh, you know, he would throw uh, rubbish uh, on him every day as would others in opposition to uh, Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and his followers. So one day he realized uh, the Holy Prophet that uh, the lady was not there and when he inquired about her, he was told that she was ill after finding this out. Um, the Holy Prophet, وسلم, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he went straight out to... Uh, help her and take care of her she was very you know taken back by uh, such a great act of kindness despite her treatment of him so you know there are many many examples uh, uh, of uh, we can find throughout the life of the holy prophet وسلم, and and now as MDM Muslim community we are trying to profess uh, the same examples of our you know uh, of of the Holy Prophet, uh, may peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. And I mean, uh, the thing is that Prophet Sallam, the founder of the community, yep. he taught us to do certain things. He said that if a uh, house is burning off a Hindu, yeah, then go and make sure that you are the one who just uh, helped him, who saves his life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're not part of his community. Mm -hmm. So this shows that service to mankind, which is a big fundamental part of Islamic belief, we should follow that step as well. And he, he, he yeah. was there basically, and his aim was, or his wish was also to serve mankind. Mm -hmm. Dear listeners, um, we are... We have come to the end of the show. If you have liked the show, if you have listened to the show, to the show, and if you want to listen again, you can do so on SoundCloud. And I'm very grateful that you have turned in. Um, we had very great um, guests today. We had uh, Reverend Professor David Wilkinson, who talked about Christianity and about Orthodox Christianity and about the celebrating of Christmas in January. We had Lord John Handy with us and Dr. Yusuf Ahmed, who talked about or discuss with us the topic of the strikes, which we are seeing nowadays. Um, I'm also very grateful to our producers, Malahat uh, Atta, Kafi Latif, and Hania Sajid, and to our researchers, Kanta Saleh, Halima. Dear listeners, um, if you want to uh, uh, 
learn more about Islamic religion, t- stay tuned with the Radio Voice of Islam, or you can turn in tomorrow at the same time as my friend Tukir Ahmed Avalid Ahmed will be there presenting. Uh, do us a favor, uh, stay healthy, uh, take good care, may the peace and blessing of Allah be with you all.